well, man, you guys doing okay today? I, I saw the forecast and I thought, you know, if it's pouring rain, everybody's going to want one of those, what is it, easy like Sunday morning days and it's raining and just drink some coffee. But hey, you know what? We have coffee here. So uh, we'll try to keep that coffee going. Uh, come on. Uh, thanks for being here today. It's going to be awesome. We've been, um, uh, I, I got to tell this joke. I've, you guys know that I like jokes, especially punny ones. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> Some of the dads got it. <laughs> so uh, these puns, there was this, uh, I heard it this morning, thanks to my friend Cody. So there were two, you know, those, um, the, the big, uh, I was, yeah, ha, 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 very funny. Big, it's big. Funny, uh, fans, but they're not fans. I was, I was trying to get, what's the, a uh, windmill, there you go. Thank you. You get up here and your mind disappears sometimes. Like, you'll understand. Get up here. So, uh, anyway, the windmill. So there's two windmills, and they're out in the field, and they're talking to each other, and one says to the other, one windmill says to the other windmill, hey, what's your favorite kind of music? And the other one says, you know what? I'm a big metal fan. Uh. <laughs> Get it? Big metal fan? All right. You can sit on it. You can, you can have that one. You're welcome. Hey, we've been talking about spiritual formation. Spiritual formation. It's been a long time we've been talking about spiritual formation. We are, um, I like to take a focus over the summer, and that was kind of our summer focus. Uh, we're leading up to, I know summer's over. Uh, back to church Sunday is going to be September 18th, by the way. Invite your friends. Bring them here. Get uh, get them to come and enjoy a time together with all of us. After the service, we're going to have some uh, brisket and, and a meal together. So uh, looking forward to that. But uh, until then, we're going to be talking about spiritual formation. And uh, I'm toying around with doing something the week before that, which is, what, the 11th? So, um, man, you, maybe, maybe just keep that in mind, something that uh, we would do special on the 11th. But uh, we've been talking about spiritual formation. So today, we're finally going to turn the corner. I've been promising talk about the spiritual disciplines. But just as a, a matter of reminding everybody uh, where we're at on this, spiritual formation is the process of being conformed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. Um, and Genesis teaches us that we were created in God's image. You guys remember that? We were created in his image. So the pursuit of spiritual formation is the return to that image, the, the very nature of our being. It's who we were created to be, but sin messed all that up. So spiritual formation is that pursuit. Uh, last, way, uh, last week we introed the fact that there are certain things we can do to increase our spiritual formation, practices that help form depth in us and our relationship with God. There are things that we can do to attend to, uh, pay attention to that relationship with God. So uh, let me take, take you briefly to remind you of one thing, though. What is the point of spiritual formation? What is the point of it all? We're developing a relationship with God, but with the point being for the sake of others. It's for others. It's not just to have a good relationship with God and then there we go. It's for the sake of others. And if it's truly for the sake of others, then that would be understood through love. If it's for the sake of others. So spiritual formation is creating depth in us with our, in our relationship with God, which increases love 
in us, right? Because as we grow closer to God who is love, the love that he has for us uh, becomes deeper and richer in us. And then that is experienced by others. Okay, just to helping you warm up there. Uh, all right, so the disciplines. Let's, let's, just an introduction. As a, as a matter of practicality, let me explain the disciplines. The disciplines are a means by which we can attend to the grace of God at work in our lives. It's a mouthful, right? Attend to, to pay attention to. It's a way that we can pay attention to the work of God's grace in our lives. That's what the disciplines are. It's in this way that spiritual depth is formed in us. I feel like I jumped right into it today. Did we go too deep too quick? Like, um, it's so many of us take time to accept Christ and believe that he is the son of God, that he is the one who died for our sins, who was crucified on the cross and raised again. We get excited about that. We accept that and then we stop because we don't know what else to do. The disciplines are a way for us to take that to the next level because God wants so much more for us. I tell you this, Jesus didn't come and die on the cross and be raised again only so that you can say, I got my passport stamped so I can go to heaven. Like that's, he came to teach us how to live. He came, and we've, we talked about this too. None of this is in my notes, by the way. I'm just trying to, like, I, I, I get excited about that. I'm very passionate about this because we talked about God being his nature, the, the nature of mission. Like, God is not just a God of mission, but his nature is mission because he started way back and said, you know what, I'm going to make, he told Abram, I'm going to make you a blessing to the nations. And we see that fulfilled in Jesus Christ and then through us. We are the continued blessing. And so when we say, I, I've been signed, sealed, and delivered, ready to go, and that's it. I think God's up there shaking his head like, no, that is not it. You are a legacy to continue this blessing to all people. So the disciplines are a way to help us create the depth that gets us to that place, right? So we've labeled and cat you might know a lot about the, the spiritual disciplines, and, and we've labeled and categorized them, but as you become familiar with them, you will notice that these disciplines we're going to talk about are practiced throughout the scriptures. They're, they're all through there. I, I don't believe that ancient fathers and mothers tried to come up with other ways that we can make ourselves slaves to rules and regulations. I don't think they said, well, we're under a New Testament covenant, a new covenant, so now we're going to do away with these other, but we're going to create a whole other list of rules. That's not what the disciplines are about. The disciplines are about creating depth. Okay, so we take an example from Paul. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, and I'll be right up here on your screen. By the way, the notes for today's message are also in the app been saying that a lot today in the, in the church app. You want to go there or the Bible app, it'll get you there too. All right, this is Paul speaking. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. 
but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. In other words, just like somebody gets into physical shape, we need to get into spiritual shape. It's a, it's a spiritual shape. There, there's people, and, and I know, I'll tell you a funny story. I was, um, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, I had, I had hernia surgery. So too much information? Sorry, I had surgery for that. Uh, anyway, my life is an open book. And I, I had that surgery, and uh, I used it as an excuse to just sit around and do nothing. <laughs> right? I didn't need an excuse, but now I had one. Um, so I, I, I'll never forget, I was sitting uh, on the chair, and I was, Teresa and I were watching a football game, which is in season, by the way. Football, awesome. Um, game, last preseason games coming up Friday, and then after that, there we go. Uh, anyway, you don't care. I do. <laughs> Some of you do care. I know because I've talked to you. So anyway, I'm, I think we were watching a football game and a commercial came on. And it was, uh, it was somebody doing high-intensity interval training. I, remember, I don't remember who it was, but I remember they were doing that. High they were doing a, and it was one of those like five-minute commercials. You know, like the whole commercial was that. And so this commercial was on. And I was sitting there and I, and I had my Papa John's pizza in one hand. <laughs> kicked back in the lazy chair and I was like, man, I want that. Like, I want to be in shape like that guy. That's awesome. Well, after the commercial, you know, on to the next thing. Like, I didn't do anything. I, I wanted it. It's what I wanted to do, but I did nothing to make it happen. I'll tell you, it wasn't until I started a regular routine of exercise that I was able to get in shape. I had a, my regular doctor appointment. You know, they do a physical and I had that physical this last week and the doctor was like, doing good. Like, you're, everything's good. We're, no, we'll see you in a year. And that didn't happen because I was sitting there eating pizza, watching TV and watching the other people exercise, osmosis. It didn't work. It happened because I did something. I got in shape. And it's the same thing spiritually. Some of us are sitting there and we're watching TV. We're saying, I wish I was in shape. I wish I was, but we're doing nothing to make it happen. So there's these disciplines. And if you read up on the spiritual disciplines, you find that uh, they come with many different opinions and labels, and there's all different ways to categorize them. Uh, there's a guy named Richard Foster. He's a Quaker author, and, and the way he labeled them, the way he categorized them, I, I really like. So that's where I'm taking these from. And he labels them into three different ways, internal, external, and corporate, Okay. Internal, external, and corporate. And they're going to be up here on the screen, so let's go through those together. Uh, the internal disciplines are uh, prayer, meditation, fasting, and Bible study. Now, there's more than just these. This isn't an exhaustive list, but this is kind of the, the broad ones that we know, right? Um, prayer, meditation, fasting, and Bible study. And then there's the external, and it's just like it sounds. The external disciplines are things like uh, evangelism, Acts of service, simplicity, simplicity, that's an interesting one. Do you guys know simplicity? It's, it's just living a simple life. It's hard for us to understand because of where we live, but it's simplicity. Stewardship 
and solitude. These are the external disciplines. Uh, these are, just like it sounds, uh, external disciplines, things we can do as an activity, things we can do externally. And then there's the corporate disciplines. These are done together in a setting like we have here this morning. And these are celebration, worship, confession. Ooh, that's a good one. We're going to talk about that later. Confession. What do you mean confession as an external, corporate? I mean, you can confess. The scripture says confess one to another. We don't practice that. Jesus says whoever you forgive on earth is forgiven in heaven. Huh. Interesting. We'll talk about it. Confessing is something that we need more of. Confess to each other. Talk to each other. We can help each other grow. All right, keep in mind, this isn't an exhaustive list. You may be Googling it and be like, well, there's 15 more. We're not going to have time to talk about everything. But uh, please do research it. Go in, dig it. Celebration of Disciplines, a book I highly recommend by Richard Foster. Get that book. Read through it. Make it a devotional study. Begin practicing these disciplines. And something else that we need to talk about is the word discipline. It's not a bad word. I feel like we've, we make it a bad word because it's become in our culture of, of instant gratification, it's become a, a bad word to discipline yourself, to have discipline. We need discipline and we need it in our lives. The path of discipline can lead to lasting fulfillment in our lives. Spiritually and physically, it's a path to discipline. I have to say, I'm 48 years old and I can't eat. Uh, we bought donut, uh, donuts. We, we did. We bought donuts this morning. But uh, we got pizza the other day. I, used to, I could sit down and eat a whole pizza. I could still sit down and eat a whole pizza. <laughs> I love every kind of pizza. Uh, thin pizza, thick pizza, stuffed crust pizza, uh, Chicago pizza, New York pizza, whatever. If it's pizza, I love it. But I have to not eat a whole pizza anymore. You know what I mean? Uh, it's, it's about having discipline. All right, and then in a pursuit of the disciplines, you need to be careful for this also. There's, there's really two ways you can go with it. You can completely avoid it or completely embrace it. <laughs> what I mean is if you avoid it, then you're going to live a completely undisciplined life with no... Um, Nothing that's balancing you, nothing that's, it's like um, walking into a teenager's room that you can tell, obviously, they are avoiding cleaning. They're just completely avoiding it. And sometimes our spiritual life looks like a teenager's bedroom, right? We got to be careful. Don't avoid the disciplines. But then also, don't become so regimented that you become OCD about the disciplines and you can do nothing without doing it, uh, the, a, a discipline, a routine of prayer, for instance. Prayer's great, but when your prayer becomes about the prayer, then you have lost the importance of prayer. It can't be about the prayer. I had a friend who I was, I, once upon a time, I was a little bit jealous of his prayer life. It was so regimented and routine. And every morning he would wake up early and he would have a prayer and he would, he had a list and his prayer list, as some of you are this way, and I'm not bashing it. I'm just, let me finish my story. So he would uh, write down his prayer list and it grew and grew and grew. And he was at a point where he was praying on, for the prayer request that he had for like an hour every morning. And I loved that I was on that list, that he was praying for me. But later in his life, he shared with me that it had become so regimented that he would spend his time praying in the morning and then he didn't even remember what he was praying for. 
because he's just reading a list. And he was envious of me <laughs> because I was just praying whenever for whatever, however. There has to be a middle ground, right? So I learned from him that having a disciplined prayer life is important, and I do that. But also it can't become about the prayer. If he missed his time of prayer in the morning, then, or if it changed for any way, or if it got shortened, it messed him up. But it wasn't spiritually messing him up. It was OCD messing him up. So we just have to be careful because if we are so rigidly structured, sometimes we lose, uh, leave no room for divine encounters or graced interruptions. I hope you experience that. So balanced discipline, holistic is the word we used last week, becomes a means of grace that can help shape us into the image of Christ for the sake of others. Holistic discipline. All right, so what's the point of it all? What's the point of all this? The point of a relationship with God, what is it? Is it only to grow closer with Him, but then after you grow closer, then what? It makes sense then that spiritual formation has, as its definition, to be for the sake of others. It's for others. Jesus describes it like this in John chapter 3. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. This is what he's saying. As he loves us, we love others. The love he loves us with extends to others through us. This is how other people might know who Jesus is. Jesus doesn't say, as I have loved you, so you must love me. He says, as I have loved you, so you must love others. I love you, you love others. It's just the natural progression. It's a progression of love. It's, it's the way love is. It's what Jesus intended. Love seeks to move outside of itself. Love that is retained within oneself dies. And you've probably met those people. Love seeks to move outside of itself. And this is the grace of God. These disciplines are a way to increase our depth of relationship. And this is what John Wesley calls these disciplines means of grace. He calls them means of grace. You can, as a matter of fact, he wrote a sermon called The Means of Grace. Go read the sermon after you study on Shakespeare. <laughs> just because of the old English he wrote with. But still, it's, it's a great message, the means of grace. And he lays out the disciplines that we're talking about. So um, we know grace then is God's undeserved love and favor, right? When we're talking about love, God's grace for us is his love for us, undeserved. We don't deserve it, but he loves us anyway, which is why when we love other people, they may say, I don't deserve this. Of course you don't. Neither did I but God loved me anyway. It's called grace. I'm having grace for you. And if we would learn to have more grace for others, a lot of things in this world might change. If we would learn to have grace in our social media postings, a lot of things might change. 
Wesley says that the disciplines increase our awareness of his grace. And I have that up here in case you aren't a note taker. You can see it on the screen. Disciplines increase our awareness of his grace. As we grow in relationship with God, we become more aware of his love and mercy for us. In fact, we should become enamored with it. As this happens, our lives become conduits. You understand conduit? It's, it's something that passes through. So we become conduits of his grace, his love, to others. The interesting thing is that the disciplines, these means of grace, they don't increase God's grace. I, th I think that sometimes we, we confuse that sometimes because we think that if I can get closer to God, I'll have more of his grace. Well, that's not true. Or if I can get closer to God, I'll have more of his spirit. God has poured his spirit out on us. The limiting factor is not God. It's us. How much are we open to his grace that he's already pouring out? And the means of grace, the disciplines, they help us tune into, pay attention to that grace that's already being poured out. So the more we practice these, the closer we draw to him, the, the better our spiritual formation gets, the more we become aware of his grace. And the better we become at becoming conduits of that grace to others. It's interesting the way it works, right? The more in depth I grow with him, the better I am able to, the more capable I become of extending grace to others. All right. I'm, I'm trying. I got I to gotta move forward here. We're, we're doing okay. We still got about 10 minutes. All right. Um, I'll tell you, and we'll talk about this later, but if you're a note taker, you can write these down. There's, there's really three kinds of grace that God conveys to us. Well, it's all grace, but we've labeled it three different ways. There's um, prevenient grace, justifying grace, and sanctifying grace. Prevenient, justifying, and sanctifying. Um, prevenient is like convicting Prevenient, it happens before we even knew we needed it. It convicts us. If you ever, before you knew Jesus, or even now that you do, if you do something and you're like, oh, it made me feel funny. The Holy Spirit's convicting you. It's called prevenient. That's convicting grace. All right, then justifying grace is converting. Like, it's His grace for us when we accept Him. And then uh, sanctifying grace is cleansing. We're like, God, cleanse me. And by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit resides in us, purifies us. All right, so uh, those are the kinds of grace that we're dealing with. All right, the, the, the whole value of the disciplines or the, the means of grace, their value depends on them actually serving the end of a personal relationship with God. There is no value in the means themselves. Only if those means help us draw closer to God. Only if they help us get deeper in our relationship with Him. Listen, and Wesley, John Wesley said this. He said, we cannot trust in the works themselves. And some people do. It's not 
What I mean is we can't trust in prayer alone. It's not the prayer. It's what the prayer does for us. It's who the prayer connects us with. I read a quote. George Lyons, uh, a professor, said, All outward means, if separate from the Spirit of God, cannot profit at all. All outward means, if separate from the Spirit of God, cannot profit. In other words, if we're doing these things apart from the Holy Spirit, then it does us no good. Don't waste your time. We also need to understand that the disciplines or the means of grace, if done outside of the Spirit, do not attach us to the grace of God. There's no way the means of grace are going to bring us into God's love. God's love is already there. They just help us pay attention to it. These disciplines, they help us connect with it. The means of grace will never atone for our sins. That's not where your forgiveness comes from. Only the blood of Jesus Christ is going to atone for our sins. There is no power in the disciplines themselves, but there is power in the prayer that connects us to God. So when we pray and we say, God, forgive me for my sins, the power is not in the prayer. The power is in God. But that prayer connects us to him. Am I making sense? It's, it's a means of connecting to him. We need to be careful not falling into the trap of thinking that we're Christian because of what we do. Because then we're placing power in the spiritual disciplines. You've been probably been doing disciplines your whole life, didn't even know. And when that is what the end becomes, there's no forgiveness there. There's Christians who think that because they're doing those things, that makes them a Christian. But that's not true. That's an abuse of the means of grace. Ask yourself this. Is Christ revealed through your heart? Is the love of God evident in your life? The means of grace that we're talking about, they provide a channel by which God can pour his love and grace onto us. It's just a channel, but we got to open that channel. And the thing I love about the means of grace, about these disciplines, is the, the more of them we practice, the more in tune we get with God. And we talked about this last week a, a little bit at length. If your personality lends itself to one way of attending to that grace in your life, and that's the only thing that you practice, pretty soon that becomes um, unbalanced. You're practicing an external means of grace, an external discipline, and it completely ignoring an internal contemplation, for instance. And you're not doing any contemplation whatsoever. Then you have unbalance. So we have to, and they, we call that the shadow side. You might remember that. We have to pay attention to that shadow side of our personality, that underside, the thing that we're not the best at, but we still have to pay attention to it. And so if you want to practice contemplation, you may not be somebody who can sit there and meditate in a chair and not move for an hour. That may not be you. But maybe you can go for a walk and meditate, right? There's, there's ways to do this. 
Okay, so um, there's these internal means of grace. And uh, the ones that we mentioned here, meditation, fasting, Bible study. Um, briefly, I'm going to go through those, and then we're going to spend the rest of our time on prayer. So I, I can use meditation, for instance. Whenever I was growing up, meditation was a bad word. Like, because, or, or not a bad word, but a bad thing. Because there was all this push a, a, about um, emptying your mind as meditation. And so as a Christian, somebody would say, you need to meditate. No, 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 we, we don't meditate. Like I need to keep that mind full, right, so that the devil can't do something. Well, what I've learned about meditation is that meditation is actually a very good thing. Just you don't clear your, you don't empty your mind or empty yourself. You focus your mind on the Holy Spirit, on God. He becomes your focus. He becomes the thing that you think about. You meditate on him. Clear your mind of everything but him. And I'll tell you this. If you can have a time of meditation where for, and you, here's the challenge. Do that for 60 seconds. No joke. Everybody's like, I can meditate. 60 seconds, work your way up to five minutes. 60 seconds of mind focused only on God is way harder than you think. You'll make it five seconds into it and then you're going to be thinking about the groceries you need to buy or the electric bill that you forgot to pay, or, right? It takes, this is why we practice them. This is why we get in spiritual shape. So that at some point, when you become advanced, you can spend five minutes. Like, don't beat yourself up because you can't make it 30 seconds. Take it as a practice. Meditation is a good thing, but focus your mind on God. Empty yourself of everything except God. Focus on Him. Uh, the other ones are fasting and Bible study. Okay, uh, fasting we know about. We haven't talked a ton about fasting uh, through this. Fasting is a very simple um, discipline because we just remove from ourselves something that reminds us to pray to God. So for a lot of people, it is food. And, and it might be a meal. It might be a day. It might be a particular kind of food. Like it could be anything if it's food. Remove that. And so every time you think about that, then it's a reminder to pray, for God, pray to God. Uh, but it, maybe, maybe you can't do food. Maybe you're like, I can't do food because whatever, medical something. So make it something else. Make it TV or make it... Uh, I don't know, whatever, something in your life that's going to remind you you're going to, it's a time to withdraw, focus on God. I got, there's this, uh, just, just by the name, I should have known better, but I, I discovered, I like trail mix. You guys like trail mixes? There's all different kinds of, as a matter of fact, it's become quite the industry. You can go to Walmart and there's like 30 different kinds of trail mix now and they have like a whole shelf dedicated, all different kinds. I found this one trail mix called Indulgent Trail Mix. <laughs> oh, my word. <laughs> I told Teresa, please quit buying that for me because I have, so maybe, maybe for me, the peanut butter chips and the chocolate chips and the white chips and the peanuts and the almonds and the, it's really good, raisins, mm, all mixed together. So for me, I could fast Indulgent Trail, see, even the name is sinful, Indulgent Trail Mix and every time that I think I'm going to go grab me a handful of that indulgent trail mix, I'm like, oh, I can stop. Make it a time that I just, I'm going to pray. Instead of the, you know, the few minutes I would take eating some indulgent trail mix, 
I'm just going to stop. And it reminds me to pray. That's fasting. It's simple. That's a short, the short version. And Bible study. Now, some of you are like, hey, I study the Bible every day. Do you study it or do you read it? There's two different things here because you may, you may read. We've been doing Bible study over the book of John for a couple of years now in the, uh, on Wednesday. Uh, we do the first Wednesday of the month, by the way, if you want to join us. We'd love that. And this, um, the Bible study is taking us so long to get through because we're, it's like an hour focused on a paragraph or two. You know what I mean? Like we're not, and we're digging into it. And, and what does it mean? And there's like three layers deep in the book of John. And, you know, you start in, in the very first part of John. Like, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God in the beginning. And nothing was, I'm going to get it wrong, and nothing was made that has been made without the Word. You start to dig into that, and you're like, well, the Word is Jesus, and Jesus was there when the earth was. Does that mean Jesus is the, the Word? Was Je Did Jesus speak the earth? What? Is that? I don't know. I'm, I'm going to leave that for you to go find out. Read it. Study it. Don't just read the scripture, but get yourself four or five commentaries. They're online now and several places for free. Study his word. Those are internal means of grace, internal disciplines that you can focus on. I want to spend the rest of our time focused on the internal discipline of prayer as a means of grace. Everyone who desires God's grace should wait for it in prayer. Like, it is something that we need to focus on. Jesus tells us on the Sermon, Jesus himself says this, the Sermon on the Mount. And so all of these scriptures that I'm about to go through, they're in the Bible app. I mean, and also the church app, if you want to look at that. Matthew chapter 7, um, Jesus says this in verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock. And the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. Let's apply it to ourselves today, our situation. Here Jesus tells us in the simplest terms to ask as a means of receiving, to seek in order to find the grace of God, to knock, to continue asking and seeking. You understand? Knock. Just keep knocking. Keep asking, keep seeking. If we would enter the kingdom of God, almost sounds too simple. This is his, how's Jesus saying we should pray? There's other places he says we should pray, but this is what he's telling us. Ask and seek and knock. Keep doing it. Keep asking and keep seeking and keep knocking. And I've actually, I've done a Bible study on this particular one, and it's incredible because the terminology used is to continue. Don't stop. Continue. That's what he's saying. Keep knocking and keep asking and keep seeking. Jesus continues, verse 9, further explaining what he's trying to say. It's all a continuation. Remember when the, when the Bible was written, it wasn't written in verses and chapters. We did that to help us find things. But So as part of his story, he says, um, to him who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you, he continues, if his son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God wants to give to us. He wants us to have the things that we want. 
But the problem is, is we tend to treat God like a genie. Oh, God, rub that lamp. I need this today. I need a problem solved. But when we're in tune with God and when we've practiced the disciplines and we have become open conduits to God's grace and His love, then we begin to think like God. His thoughts become our thoughts. Not really, but you understand what I'm saying. Like, we know Him. And we know what He wants. And if it's something He doesn't want, we don't ask. We line ourselves up with Him. And so he's saying, listen, I want you to have the good things. Who of you, if a son asks for bread, is going to give a stone? Or if he asks for fish, is going to give a snake? And people are evil. And if people know how to give good gifts, doesn't God know so much more how to give good gifts? The necessity of using this means of grace, prayer, as a way to receive gifts from God, it reveals itself further in Luke chapter 11. Then he said to them, Jesus again, verse 5. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend. And he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, Yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. <laughs> How much more plainly could God have, Jesus have told us that we will receive from God that which we will otherwise not receive if we will only ask? If we will ask. We have to ask. We have to press in. And then in Luke 18, verses 1 through 5, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they could always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. This is Jesus telling a story. If we continue reading, he explains in verses 6 through 8. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust says, the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when, a, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? We are told to wait for the blessings of God in prayer. What I mean is not do nothing and wait, but to pray and wait. By this means, the Scripture says we shall be rewarded. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who's unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. In James 1.6, when he asks, he must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. When we ask God for the love of God, he bestows that on us. 
When we ask God for his love, he bestows it. We cannot doubt God. We have to approach God believing in him and his grace. The grace of God is amazing. I, in my own life, to be honest, uh, my dad got saved when I was a, a kid. A lot of you know that. So I, I didn't, the first few years of my life, I didn't go to church, but more or less was raised in the church. Started going when I was a kid. And I grew up with this idea of, of regiment and discipline. And it became for me, because of my upbringing, I guess, about those things. And I missed the grace of God. I missed it because I was making sure that I did the things and I read the scripture and I did the praying and I did the, like I was the things. I was, I was after the things. I just missed it. And because of that, I am one who had a not holistic formation. It wasn't balanced. And there was a time in my young adult life that I went off the rails. And matter of fact, I remember thinking to myself, if I die, I'm, I'm going to hell. Oh well. Like I just didn't care. And then something happened. It was prevenient grace, I can tell you right now. It was a convicting grace that came in my life. God convicted me something serious. And in that moment, as, as I fell on my knees and then my face, I've told this story, I remember understanding the love of God in a way I had never understood before. I don't know what happened. I don't know. All I know is that he became so real to me, his love. And since that, I became enamored with it. I was like, you mean all of the things that I did, you still love me? That's crazy. How could, I, I was so bad to you, God. I'm so sorry. I was, I was so wrong. And since that day, I've done my best in ministry as a pastor, youth pastor and now a pastor, to make sure people don't make the same mistake, to know that God loves you. He loves you. You don't deserve it. But He loves you. Nothing you can do will change that. But I will say this, if you will involve yourself in these internal disciplines that we're talking about today, if you will pray and ask for it, it becomes a conduit so that his love for you, you become more aware and more and more and more and more aware. And the more you're like, God, you're loving me more. And he's like, I loved you the same, man. You're just feeling it better now. <laughs> through prayer, through Bible study, through meditation, the internal means of grace. Spend some time. Get spiritually in shape. Understand and feel what I'm talking about. And then it's amazing how your life changes. Your attitude changes. You go to the grocery store and it's okay that the self-check has somebody with like five basketfuls of groceries or whatever. You know, you're like... Or... The waitress doesn't bring your food for a long, long, long time. Like you're so full and enamored with the love of God, it just, it extends to them. Would you believe that 
sometimes I've had situations that people offer me jobs when I go and at a, a restaurant or in a store where they're not really helping me very much and I just have, I'm just not being mean to them. I've had people, would you like to work here? Because we need people who are nice. <laughs> but it's not me. Because in my sinful self, I'm chewing you out. I'm short-tempered. I'm, it's just the love of God. It's His grace. So speaking of prayer, we're going to end with a song. And I'm going to invite you to, I, I went about five minutes longer than I wanted. I'm sorry, but I just feel like um, let's spend some time praying. And let's attend to that grace in our lives. Let's practice a little spiritual formation, spiritual discipline this morning. God, as we close our time together and as we think about what you have done for us and the love that you have bestowed on us, the grace that we don't deserve, these, the means of grace, these disciplines that we can focus on, that, that we can, things we can do to become more aware of your grace, your love in, my, in our lives, in my life. Help us to pay attention to those things. Help us to practice those things. Help us to tune in to you. So over the next few moments, would you just, Holy Spirit, be with us, speak to our hearts. These altars are open. I, I encourage you to come and kneel and pray. And, and it's, it, we're not saying, hey, I'm in a bad way and I need lots of help. We're just saying, Hey, God, I need you to I'm gonna pay attention here. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask you for more. Open my heart to receive more of what you have for me. In Jesus' name.